0: This is the Luke 10-2 podcast, a conversation about preaching, planting, and leading with Noah Oldham. today we're going to talk about church planting, and I want to talk about something that I've started to notice as I've been doing this church planting residency and talking to different church planters, and that is, there seems to be these two different models that people flock to or cling to. One is, we'll call it the neighborhood model, Mm -hmm. so they feel called to this particular neighborhood um, the old-school name for this is the parish model, so there's going to be a church that everybody walks to. You're reaching people who are all within walking distance of your church. Yeah. The other is, um, you've named it the, the regional model, mm-hmm. um, and the regional model um, is not as focused on reaching a particular neighborhood, but on a city or a part of the city or mm-hmm. uh, just a wider n- a net. Mm-hmm. Um, so, have you seen that dynamic at play that that people, as they begin to plant churches, or maybe even as they talk to you as a Sin City missionary about planting a church, that they they tend to talk as if they're believing that they should go towards one of these two camps? Yeah, have you seen absolutely. that?
1: Absolutely, I've seen it. I've seen it in a couple of different seats. I've seen it from the seat of the Sin City missionary. Guys come to St. Louis, they feel like they're called to plant a church. And really, within the first five minutes of a conversation, I can tell which model they feel led to by just the lingo and the verbiage and the people they've listened to. It just comes flowing out. Circles are not that big. Um, If you're into either one of those models specifically, um, I know it because you've read everything on that. um, Or you just run to it by default. The other thing I've experienced is from the seat as a church planter, as a pastor. Planted um, ten and a half years ago began the process 13 years ago, and so had the ability to read and learn and experience and then even fight through and work through those two different models, the tensions that they bring, uh, the, the good things that they accomplish, but also the tensions that they bring in the local church as you're thinking about vision. Who are we? What is God calling us to? Uh, it all, always comes down to vision. This is one of the biggest questions I think that a church has got to figure out when they think about vision, is who has God called us to? So, absolutely, I've engaged with it, and I think it's an important topic for us to talk about.
0: Cool. Um, so, are is one of the models right or wrong, or is this just they're different and their approaches to ministry will be different?
1: Yeah, you asked first: uh, is one of them right, one of them wrong? And the, and the answer is yes. And it's right for whomever God's called it called to that model. It absolutely is right. If God's called you to do a ministry that is more neighborhood specific, then you better do that. If God's called you to do something more regional specific, uh, more regional general, for you to only focus on a neighborhood, I think is disobedience to the Lord. If God has said, I want this to be your stewardship, then you need to find a way to take on that stewardship. Not everybody's going to agree on it, but that's why we got to put the kingdom hat on and say, well, you know what? God didn't gift me and call me the same way he did everybody else. It's one of the things the Apostle Paul tried to get through everybody's head over and over again. One of the biggest fights that would come up in the early church was whose team you were on. Am I team Paul? Am I team Barnabas? Am I team Peter? Am I team Apollos? I mean, you had all these people to fight about because they all had different viewpoints on things. They were all faithfully obeying the Lord in most situations. Every once in a while, Paul had to set Peter straight, I guess. But they, they all had these biblical models um, in the, the biblical spectrum, but they had to fulfill their call. And they all had specific call. And I think the same thing is true for guys today. If God's called you to be a lead pastor or a pastor that's creating vision and direction for your church. You've got to determine who he's calling you to be as a church and then
0: obey that with everything you can. So are we just splitting hairs by trying to um, show the difference between the neighborhood church and the regional church? Or um, is this a distinction that is important to understand? Like, yeah. at, at what point does a church actually start to look different depending on if they're going to be in one camp or the other? I think
1: that a lot of churches are walking around less empowered and and unfocused because they've not answered this question correctly or at all. But I think it's not splitting hairs. I think it's one of the most powerful questions you can ask when it comes to the mission of the church. It It is going to affect how you do small groups. It is going to affect how you do gathered worship. But it's going to greatly affect the way that you live on mission. And the effectiveness of your gathered worship in your small groups is going to be determined by this as well. So it's not a splitting hairs. I think that every church planner should decide this. In fact, Send Network Training, we take them through... Um, a training. It's based on Will Mancini's uh, book called Church Unique. And in that Church Unique, you're coming up with your kingdom concept. And one of the three elements of the kingdom concept is the local predicament. what is, uh, What are the, the unique needs and opportunities where God has placed us? How you define where God has placed us is just as important
0: as answering the question, what are the needs and opportunities? Totally. So to make this practical, um, you're here in Belleville, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, when you ask the question, what are the needs in our area? Mm -hmm. When you ask that, when you, the way you answer that question could be, you're only talking about this little neighborhood in Belleville. Mm -hmm. It could be you're talking about Belleville as a whole, Mm -hmm. or it could be you're talking about the entire Metro East Mm -hmm. of St. Louis, or it could be you, you're thinking about the entire region of St. Louis. Um, And so I think that's a great point that, um, just answering a simple question, like, what are the needs of the people in our community? Mm-hmm. Well, what's your community? That's right. You know? Yeah. Um, Where
1: do you do life?
0: How do you, how you do all that? And a lot of that's determined by
1: the context. So when I was in South City, we planted August Gate um, 10 and a half years ago. We lived in South City. We did most of our life right there. Uh, the grocery store we went to was there at the corner of, of Grand and, um, Grand and, and Gravois. That was the, the schnooks we went to in the Aldi, just a few blocks away, depending on where we live that's in the city. That's my Schnucks now. That's your schnooks now. Um, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I don't like Courtney go there by herself. Oh, and the QT down the street, uh, I know some of the managers of QTs in the area, it's the second most dangerous in all the UTs in St. Louis, so just be careful. Nice. That, that's like a block from your house. I would have been fine not knowing that. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's all context. I say all that to say, that's where we did life. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't have a grocery store. Um, within ten minutes of our house we 've got to drive ten minutes now. it 's not necessarily a 10 minute uh, drive because of distance, it's because of traffic. but there's places in the city that's they call a food desert that there's not a grocery store within a certain amount of time. And so where do you do life? Where do you pay your bills? Where do right. you get where do you get your groceries on and on and on is it, determined by that. And so when we say our community, we mean something different than we used to mean. Um, even five years ago.
0: Well, and the grocery store one is interesting. So, I know a pastor who um, he subscribes to the the parish model, mm-hmm. and his idea is everybody needs to live close to the church and be able to walk to the church, and you only need as many churches in the neighborhood as you have grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always kind of interesting to me, though, because as you move outside of the the urban center where there is a neighbor, there's a grocery store in the neighborhood. Um, you know, there's this massive superstore that is the grocery mm-hmm. store that everybody goes to. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't believe in mega churches, so you wouldn't want to say that we only need three grocery or three churches in, you know, all yeah. of West County, yeah. um, or all of the Metro East. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you think through that yeah. that tension?
1: Oh, I love that because it gives you an image to actually um, to either support or debunk. And, and both can happen at the same time. So I would say I would agree with him. I think that every neighborhood or every community should seek to have as many churches that have grocery stores. Because if a grocery store can supply the needs of those people, um, then, then a church should be able to as well. Well, in theory, then you start thinking, well, people don't all go grocery shopping at the same day, at the same time. If you're going to gather for worship, can you fit that many people in your church? So if you reached 50% of the population of your community, would you have enough buildings with enough fire code non-violations to include all of them? I don't think so. So I think you need to have at least that many. But also, what I've learned by living in the urban environment is there's, there's not a ton of grocery stores. St. Louis is known to be a food desert in so many places. You can't walk to get groceries. If you do, you're walking a long way, and you're getting just a couple bags that you can carry. Maybe you can carry 20 bags from the car. Because you've always, you know, I want to make one trip and I can do this for 10 seconds. Well,
0: and you could probably carry more than the average, <laughs> average man. But,
1: but, but you can't carry them all the way home. And so what we've seen is the corner stores popped up. And Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood where our church in South City is, there's corner stores everywhere. But guess what? Not everybody wants to shop there because you can't get everything you need. And yeah,
0: they don't have mustard half the time. That's right. You know, they're random. And
1: I know a guy one time that was living on government assistance and he was trying to set a budget. How do I? He was spending more money on government assistance for his family of four than I was spending on my family of six. Like, why is this working the way it is? I found out he was only buying diapers at the corner Walgreens where they're twice to three times as much. We had talked to him about setting a budget, getting in at a local discount store to get more. So all that said, I think there's I think there's both. So I I don't subscribe to the parish model only. I love parish model churches. I think they serve a great kingdom necessity. But I also believe that God has called churches to be regional influencers as well. And I think that we can see that in Scripture. We can see that happening um, from the very beginning, a church over a city. And we see apostles serving those ways as bishops over these different areas. Um, but think about it in specialty. If you're in South City, down in Cherokee, there's going to be some Hispanic grocery stores because it's the, the kind of the Hispanic quarter and different foods that people, different people like. Well, we don't say there's anything wrong with that. Like We say it's xenophobic to tell somebody, well, if you're in our country, you're going to like food that we like. Someone moves to your neighborhood and all you have is three churches because there's three grocery stores and nobody can really connect to the worship style or the preaching style of your church. What do we tell them? Well, you should be able to do this. Mm -hmm. Well, that seems a little bit self-centered to think that everybody's going to be able to connect that way. So maybe we need more. We need specialty. But then what we also see is larger stores are able to offer more things in bulk and in discount. A larger church can often accomplish better ministry or, or bigger ministry or different ministry because people are together. Their the resources are tied together. And so you have uh, a limited number of, of musicians because music programs are getting cut in schools all the time. Well, this church that has a big space and has a regional influence, they have really great um, musicians. And they're, so they're, the music is really clear and it's really helpful and it's really engaging. Well, smaller churches, they're fighting to get somebody to know how to sing on a right key. So I think there's give and take. I think both are needed. I think both are are beneficial for a city.
0: And the other thing I think that's interesting is this isn't a new phenomenon either. So I remember one of the things that you pointed out to me the very first day that I came to St. Louis, um, you you were like, notice that there's a lot of these small, um, beautiful looking churches Mm -hmm. in neighborhoods and you're driving and there's another one and another one and another one. And you said one of the reasons for that was when immigrants would come to the country, they would have the German-speaking church or the French-speaking church or yeah. the, you know, whatever other yeah. language. Yeah, and Just the Catholic. And then there was also the Presbyterian mm-hmm. of all the different languages. Absolutely. And so, you, in St. Louis, you... St. Louis is... Well, you speak to this. Is St. Louis unique in that, you think? Do you think that the, the neighborhood concept is unique to St. Louis, or is that an urban yeah. center thing?
1: It's an urban center thing. I mean, really what it is, living in the city for a decade, um, the city is just small towns. Rip out, suck out all the cornfields and shove them together. And what you're going to have is your city. Uh, whatever those, the, the community around the city is like, pull out all the distance between and push the people together, and that's what you get. It's different ideologically, and it's often different um, politically, because just as Tim Keller has said, like this, you're no longer um, this homogenous unit when you're you're farther apart. The more you're on top of each other, you learn differences, you begin to appreciate differences, and so homogeneity doesn't stay the same. It, it changes, and you begin to adapt. So the city really is like that, and so it shifts a little bit, Uh, But this is the space isn't there. And so in the city, every city that I've studied, every city I've been to, you have this history of it, of immigrants that have come in, generations that have come in. It's different for different time frames. St. Louis doesn't have the same population, for instance, of Asian people groups as Chicago. I did a retreat recently in Chicago, a church that was mostly young, mostly single and mostly Asian. You would not find a church that large, a multi-gathering church in St. Louis. There's just not enough people of those backgrounds to fill a church that large. However, there are of white people and black people and other people groups as well. So um, it's gonna be different when those movements of immigrants came in. So yes, St. Louis has the different neighborhoods. What you had is you had all these different churches that were started to reach that neighborhood, to reach those people because transportation was what it was. Mm -hmm. But over, over the generations, people have moved. People now speak the same language. Their kids learned English, and they no longer needed all these churches. And so those churches got sold off, and they, they came together and became one church, and the buildings got sold off. So the same thing is going um, to happen either way. I think we're going we go through like ebbs and flows. and We go through cycles. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing new under the sun. Parish model uh, had hit, hit a stride here for a while, I think, in retaliation. Uh, not retaliation. That sounds bad, doesn't it? In response to the church growth movement. Big churches, grow in size, lack Lack, of depth, lack of intimacy. It's just a big show. We need all that. Well, we have have that, but then people are saying, there's other things that are missing in that model that I need. I need discipleship opportunities. I need diversity of schedule. So what they do is they find a church that's farther outside the city that offers those things and is more regional. So I think both are needed. And we just got to ask, Lord, what are you up to in this season?
0: So there are surely some... Um, some unique uh, positives or opportunities that you have in the parish model, the neighborhood model and the regional model and some challenges that go along with each one of those models as well. So what are some of those? What can a neighborhood church uniquely do that maybe a regional church is going to struggle to do and vice versa?
1: Yeah. So I think about it when it comes to mission, because ultimately um, if it's just about where you, where you meet and it's just about driving distance yeah, maybe, Maybe that's a benefit, but if people are are plugged in and they're hungry for the Lord and God's up to something, people will get in their cars just like they go to a grocery store. We talk about the walking model. People don't even walk to get their groceries. Let's be honest. You know, they're getting a motorized bike or they're they're driving a car, especially in our city because of transportation. Um, but I think one of the benefits of a parish model is when you think about the mission. What are the needs? What are the opportunities in our community? If you say we have X amount of hours to Put forth in the community. You're going to put all those hours, those man hours, those money, uh, those increments of money. You're going to put those to work right there among those people that you will probably more likely be to run into on a regular basis at the store or on the street. So you can focus there. And I think that's a challenge for the regional church, is you're unless you empower people and you equip people to do that on their own streets then the church can't do that for all the streets that it seeks to influence. And so it's got to shift either way. One, you've got to say, as a church, we're going to focus here, and that's a benefit. But the regional church can say, we can actually equip and inspire our people to go do that where they live and have a much greater impact and reach. So it's not the church doing it, the the organization, it's the church of the people doing it. It So I think that example, there's there's benefits to either side, depending on what the vision is.
0: Definitely. Um, something else that you brought up that I think is really important is the context of the city in mm. so many ways determines yeah. um, how this plays out. So for example, um, you were talking about with the groceries in St. Louis, um, you said, let's be honest, everybody drives to get their groceries. That is generally true in St. Louis. Yeah. I live you know, a mile from the grocery store that's not that far, but I can't imagine you know, seeing a bunch of people walking down the street to go do that. That's right. um, at the same time, when I lived in Chicago, um, it was very different. You did walk everywhere, yeah. or you took a bus, or um, the L, or the, uh, some type of train to get anywhere that you needed to go. Yeah, and it was very, it was very easy to live in Chicago without a car. I think it would be very difficult to live in St. Louis without a car. Absolutely. That obviously affects the way that ministry looks. Yes. So in uh, Chicago, the parish model, you could potentially reach a lot of people Mm -hmm. and have a considerably larger church doing the neighborhood thing Mm
1: -hmm. in
0: Chicago than you could doing the neighborhood thing in St. Louis. Yeah. Being larger doesn't mean that you're being a better or more faithful or more healthy church. Right. You just have to think through... If we want to be a church that is going to reach a number of people um which based on our context which one makes more sense yeah
1: and and, and it's an interesting question to the context thing because um, there's areas of st louis that if you only reach that community the church will never be self-sustaining and for you to tell a pastor um, it gets into the whole concept of privilege you tell a pastor you're always going to be have to be bivocational you're tri-vocational because of where you're at where God has called you Um, because the only way to do this is neighborhood focused. Only reach the people there. Those are your sheep. All of a sudden you say, God's called us to reach this community, to, to meet in this community, be a part of it, but we want to have a much larger influence. All of a sudden you reach people outside of that, many of whom may come from a different socioeconomic situation and they're able to pour resources into that community. And so God will often place churches strategically in a location to be a blessing there and the, all the people don't come from there. And I think that no matter what you've got to ask what is God up to, how do we how can we be a blessing here? now we want to make sure that's part of what we're thinking through. not that we exist here because the land's cheap, but we're gonna, we're gonna mess up parking for all the neighbors and we're gonna say, who cares? Mm-hmm. Like the streets are for everybody. but how do you bless those people around you? How do they see that we are better as a community because the church is here, not the church is just renting. Space, even though they, they own it, they're just kind of renting. I remember when we got our building in South City, the church that had been there before us was having a hard time reaching the community because you found out the pastor and everybody in the church lived on the north side, lived in North County. And they were driving down 25 minutes because this is where they had a building. So they connected with nobody in the community. Now, that doesn't mean everybody in the church has to live in the community or even the pastor, but it means you have to be able to have a connection if you want to reach
0: those people. Absolutely. So as we wrap this up, are there, could you give a word of caution to, um, the guy who is all about the parish model and is diving into that? Could you give a word of caution to that guy? And could you give a word of caution to the guy who's diving into the regional church model? And, um, and sometimes they can, you know, throw uh, lob insults at one another and do that whole thing. And sometimes it's in fun and sometimes it's serious, but give a word of caution to each guy. Yeah. I'd say
1: the caution to both of these guys is, is we're called in scripture not to judge another man's servant. The Lord Jesus is the one who gives us our call. The Lord Jesus is the one who's the senior pastor of every church, not just ours. And he may have called you to this and he's Put it deep in your bones because you need it deep in your bones to accomplish the call God has for you. But that does not mean just because it's deep in your bones and you're convinced of it being best for you that it's necessarily not—it's uh, necessarily best for somebody else. Um, so I'd start there. Don't judge another man's servant. Don't say that church doesn't care about deep impact because they want to be small. Don't say that church only cares about uh, you know, money and a show because they, they want a larger regional church. I'd say find a way to learn from one another. God is doing something in that other leader. Find out what it is. Um, The caution for somebody who's only a parish model is make sure that God doesn't have a bigger stewardship for you. He may want you to reach more people than, than you think. He may be calling you to that, and don't let your model strangle that out. To the guy who's regional only, I'd say make sure as you're influencing regionally that you don't miss out on discipling locally. That's the language I believe the Lord has given me in this season of August Gate as we transition Um, in this year, from being a multi-gathering church, to being a church, uh, to being two different churches, our two different gatherings going autonomous, is here as August Gate continues in Belleville, God has called us specifically to disciple locally and influence regionally. Meaning right here in this community, which is larger than just this one town, we're at the corner of a a few different towns, we want to reach all of them, all in driving distance, we want to reach all of them, Um, we want to empower people to be on mission in their own communities, on their own block. Uh, we want to disciple locally. But we want to influence regionally. We believe God has given us a position, a role to play in our city. We've we planted um, a long time before a lot of other guys. who are much newer, and we believe God is teaching us things that we can help others. So just know your stewardship, embrace your stewardship, and then don't judge one another. And man, we'll do this thing together for a long, long time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Luke Ten Two podcast. For more information about the SIND Network in St. Louis, visit SENDSTL.com